Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Now, before I get too far into today's theme uh, from the show, I just wanted to alert you to the launch of my latest book. It it is about property, but specifically prop tech or uh, property technology. The book is called Hashtag Prop Tech. Yes, there's a hashtag in the title. Uh, A guide to how property technology is changing how we live, work, and invest. And it will launch on Friday, the 14th of December, all being well with the final proofs and edits and graphics. So just about in time for a last minute Christmas stocking filler then. There's a link to the sneak peek page in the show notes, where if you are quick, you can get a little extra Christmas present from me just for ordering the book within the first week of launch as well. So just before Christmas, little little bonus there. Uh, the, the link is thepropertyvoice.net slash proptechbook sneak peek slash. But as I mentioned, there's a link in the show notes. So you can even um, click on it from your mobile phone, I believe. Plus, if you happen to have bought my first book, which is Property Investor Toolkit, and registered to receive the book bonuses, so you still have time to do that if you didn't already, then keep an eye on your inbox over the next day or two as well for a nice little surprise there. Okay, so moving on and uh, last but by no means least in the Horror Stories series comes valuers. The so-called down valuation where a valuation surveyor reduces the value of a property compared to either an agreed sales price or an investor stated value in the case of refinancing seems to have made something of a return. So let's hear some of the stories. Um, Some are my own and some are from others close to me. And then we can determine what we can do about this frustrating valuation thing right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Now, a poll in the Property Tax and Finance Facebook group it's literally a group you'll find on Facebook. It's run by Simon Allen and others. Suggested that there are valuation issues with buy to let investors at the moment. Indeed, no less than 79% of respondents at the time I checked stated that they had experienced a down valuation in just the past three months. Just a bit of a Google search will tell you it's been a recurring theme for quite some time, at least a year. But after undertaking some inquiry of my own, some possible reasons for this might include the rise of automated valuation models or AVMs, um, or indeed robots or algorithms if you prefer. And contrastingly, some individual valuer bias or opinion that seems to differ from the hard data available. So you've got two extremes really then. Then there's falling market sentiment, including the Brexit effect and, you know, just Rick's valuers generally just seeing the market as something of a, in a negative shape, particularly London and the Southeast. Add to that some strict lender criteria and policy on comparables that can be used in valuations and you're going to get the picture. 
So let's run through some of the stories from me and a few of my friends before we pick up what we can do in a little while. So a couple of years ago, I bought a property with the intention of refurbishing it to flip it on. I went to arrange bridging finance through Shortbrook Bank, who I had used for similar purposes on multiple occasions. They sent out a valuer from that major firm of valuers, but sadly, the individual, individual valuer rather, was someone known to me from a, a previous poor valuation experience on an HMO property that I had worked on a year or so earlier. So could lightning strike twice, I wonder? You bet it could. <laughs> I had agreed to pay 155000 for this new property, which was significantly below local comparable resale properties, including one smaller one, but directly opposite on the same street, which recently sold for £261,000. Admittedly, the target property that I was buying needed work, but there was significant headroom to undertake a programme of works or refurbishment and to resell at a profit, which was indeed my intention. I'd done my homework on local comparables and arrived at the most likely end valuation figure of 264500 uh, and that was based on a series of averages and sizes and so sales, etc. But it had upside to go as high as 285,000, so we were targeting two, sorry, targeting 275,000 for a fully refurbished property uh, in a decent condition. So a program of works was produced by a chartered building surveyor to convert and upgrade the property accordingly. The valuation came in as follows. Uh, our 275,000 stated in value target was downgraded to 235,000, quite a significant reduction. And this was after the works and uh, despite, you know, taking account of the recent sale just opposite at 261,000. How'd you work that out? I don't know. But, you know, importantly, the best part was, of course, its current value because I was seeking lending. And this was stated as zero. <laughs> And it was safely zero pending the request for specialist reports to the roof structure and the condition of timbers inside the property. And, you know, the valuer had some concerns about them, which I understand, but a zero valuation? Anyway, these uh, reports were duly commissioned. Uh, it cost over £1,000, in fact, to get them in. But it proved that the, there was nothing untoward in, in the structure or the timbers. And so I just kind of threw £1,000 at it there for no real good reason. Needless to say, we appealed the results because all three elements, the purchase price, the cost of works and the end valuation were all you know, questioned or queried in, from a negative point of view. And uh, my broker, Simon Allen from Searchlight Finance, along with Shawbrook Bank, uh, were very helpful actually in, uh, in, in taking me through the uh, appeals process. And to be fair, Simon and Shawbrook were great. And in the end, something happened that Simon said he'd never seen before which was the lender agreed to pay for a second valuation, a second valuer to visit. And uh, that, that probably tells you the conclusion about their views on the first one. <laughs> but the second valuation was duly undertaken by another firm and came back at £155,000, which is in line with what we were expecting it to be originally. And uh, being considered suitable security for the lending, uh, and of course with no additional reports for roof uh, structures and timbers and this sort of thing. After the works were completed, we accepted an offer at £275,000, 
with it subsequently being downvalued to £265,000, which was due to some issues with some of the windows, which we had not addressed. And so that's fair enough, I think. We, we'd sold it for 275000 There was a couple of issues I didn't identify with some windows. So to correct those, uh, a 10000 reduction was, was noted in valuation. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, so it's uh, and of course what you will notice is 265,000 whilst being less than we'd hoped for was precisely in line with the expected end valuation uh, which was based on some you know real data uh, on actual local sales comparison comparisons rather on a like-for-like -like basis which compares to 235,000 pounds which the original first valuer's opinion and of course, the zero valuation compared to the 155,000 second valuers' opinion. So, quite some significant variation. Now, I will say this it's hard for valuers. I do appreciate that. In fact, many suffered after the last housing cri uh, crisis or crash uh, when values plummeted and they found their judgment had come under scrutiny. And indeed, the, uh, they had some claims on their professional indemnity insurance as well. So, I have some sympathy to that. But there should be some common sense and ultimately, if there's enough evidence and data to support evaluation, then that should be okay. And this was a view shared with me uh, by a valuer in training that I spoke to recently as well. But here's another horror story from Ian, who you might remember also shared a tradesperson horror story uh, last week. So looks like he smashed a few mirrors uh, somewhere along the line and maybe in one or two of his HMOs as you're about to hear. And Ian had purchased a, a terraced house uh, for cash and he was converting it to a five-bed licensable HMO. The license had been applied for, but in the meantime, he applied for a remortgage and uh, a well-known of, uh, a well, excuse me, rather, a well-known firm of national surveyors were duly appointed. The valuer pointed out that the ceiling height in the dormer room was 2.08 meters, whereas the local HMA, uh, sorry, HMO standards required 2.14. He therefore valued it, the value of this, this is, as a four bedroom uh, HMO, but with a 100% retention pending the issue of the HMO license, which is sort of fair enough. I, I can kind of get, get the four bed issue, but not necessarily the 100% retention, but there we go. Luckily, the local council issued an HMO license as a compliant five bed. So in other words, they approved the, the dormer room to be compliant. So uh, the same surveyor was duly appointed or reappointed for a new valuation after some time. Um, and of course, another valuation fee was paid because some time had passed by this point. And, but this time he insisted on a planning certificate of lawful use for the conversion to an HMO. And this is despite this conversion being allowed under permitted development. It's not a license, uh, sorry, an Article 4 area. And, uh, and the HMO license was duly issued. So on the plus side, though, he did value it as a five bed this time. However, uh, he's now faced, Ian's now faced with the prospect of a £462 planning fee, cost for plannings, uh, plans and drawings, and another eight-week delay at least, merely to obtain a certificate of lawfulness. Now, the insistence of a certificate of lawfulness for a permitted development conversion was, in my view, an unnecessary uh, condition to request, which is not common or standard practice in, in neither of our joint experience, it has to be said.
Well, after those two stories from, from both of us, um, here's some more short stories which come courtesy of, of me, but also from my broker, Simon Allen, who I mentioned earlier, and who's helped me to uh, go through several issues with lenders and valuers, one I've already mentioned and a few you're going to hear about now, uh, with lenders and valuers around the thorny tip, uh, topic of valuations. As Simon puts it, I try to forget bad news and keep my focus and my mind positive. Apart from the valuer falling through the floor at Graveyard Farm, uh, most of the others go into the category of down valuations, pretty much. So here are some of the examples from both Simon and myself. First from Simon. The property is currently rented at £1,100 per week, £1,100 per week. But the valuer says it should be £850 a week. There's no appeals process, so the client simply has to uh, get no mortgage. Uh, sorry, get, gets a low mortgage, uh, less than he needed, and he can't grow his portfolio. It's rented at eleven hundred a week, but the valuer says eight fifty. There you go. Another one from me. Uh, a property was converted to serviced accommodation, including change of use recognised by the local authority. In fact, it's been successfully short-term let for well over two years now at over 70% occupancy throughout the whole period. The valuer happened to turn up when a group of European contractors happened to be staying for a month doing a project. That he does value it in line with the expected value, but makes a throwaway comment that it's an HMO. Well, it isn't an HMO. Uh, and when he was queried by the lender, and then subsequently challenged by us, even after quoting the Housing Act definition of an HMO, he simply responds with, I don't think it's suitable as a short-term let. So as a result, the lender, the broker, and I are all left flummoxed and can't get the lending required. Another from Simon. This time, there was a down valuation from £385,000 to £280,000. Having checked mouse price, which uses automated valuation modelling, uh, all the properties are valued at £380,000. But because nothing's sold in three years, there's no recent sale compar uh, comparable to go off. Then in another case where a property was downvalued from £500,000 to £375,000, the appeal took a month and was rejected, despite comparables of £500 being evidence. I mean, go figure. Another one from me. I went to refinance a refurbished flat. It was worth £155,000 all day long, with the last same street sold comparable, selling for £155,000 some eight months prior, and several prior to that at even higher values. However, the valuer is instructed by the lender to only base the value of actual sales prices, so of course excluding any properties that were for sale, of which there were a couple, and to ignore comparables uh, more than six months old, therefore ignoring the one at eight months old. So the valuer had no option but to ignore the, uh, the £155,000 same street comparable and instead selected three rather poor condition comparables pokey little uh, conversions that weren't in great condition on worse streets and that resulted in a £120,000 valuation instead. We suspect that perhaps two different people or even a robot and the valuer were involved in this one given the poor standard of the comparables used. However, the outcome is simply that I need to leave in an extra £26,000 tied up in the property that I had not planned to do. More from Simon. 
This time, a client looked to remortgage to release capital to add to their portfolio. The <laughs> down valuation came from 500 down to 400,000 pounds. Very significant reduction. But as the client couldn't get a remortgage at the amount they wanted, they put it up for sale instead. And lo and behold, the property was on the market for a week and was sold at £510,000. Similarly, at a purchase price of £995,000, the valuer valued it at £800,000, so the client lost the purchase. But then it sold a month later for the asking price. So the, the client lost the sale, that is. Uh, and then it was sold a month later for the asking price. So these are significant variations. Another from me. I undertook a flip project. Uh, I sold it for 125000 which was the asking price, within a week to a first-time buyer. The comparables support £125,000 for properties that have not been fully refurbished. So a £5,000 premium for the condition of my particular property was justifiable and indeed expected. Of course, you know what the result's going to be. £115,000 valuation was placed by the valuer, which is at the bottom end of the mouse price valuation range, if you remember uses this automated valuation model, mouse price that is. I'm not suggesting the valuer did the same. Perhaps he did, no, well, not really sure. But of course, this 115,000 ignores, or rather averages out the property condition. So assuming a balance of uh, property sold, some good, some not so good, uh, you would expect, obviously, it landing somewhere in the middle. Uh, 120 would have been around about the middle. 125 for a, a, de a decent condition one would have thought would have been okay. But anecdotally, the uh, agent said that they get this all the time with first-time buyers, as valuers seem to deduct from the value due to a lower level of deposit or higher loan-to-value with first-time buyers. However, simply speaking, as a result, I lost my sale. Another one from Simon to wrap it up. The property was valued here at £600,000 by a bridging lender. Well, the client decided to switch lenders and the new valuer from the same firm valued it at £525,000 just one week later. So one week, £600,000, next week, £525,000. And as a result, the client is punished for switching lender, but with no apparent logic as to why. Um, the, or another example, uh, a property valued at £700,000, but unbeknown to everybody except the underwriter, the valuation was pulled for an audit by the panel manager and subsequently downvalued three weeks later to £520,000, with the result being the client gets less money, the valuation firm is removed from the panel and the underwriter is moved to a department that doesn't communicate with the public. There are lots of examples there, but you'll notice there's a few uh, recurring themes having reflected on some of those stories. The first is that the valuer works for who instructs them, not who pays for the valuation. And that's the lender, not the investor, when finance is involved. And this leads to several potential issues arising, such as a lender straitjacket around suitable comparables, um, criteria and policy, a lack of recourse from the valuer to the paying investor client, and the biggest one, the valuer's fear of being sued by a lender. Second of all, inconsistency abounds quite clearly. There, there are so many stories, both here and in the press, where one valuer values differently to another. But it's the same valuer valuation firm being inconsistent that's really the hardest one to fathom. 
If you just Google buy to let down valuations or visit the property tax and finance Facebook group or property tribes, you can see evidence of this yourself quite clearly. Third is expectations on our part. Okay, so to be fair and balanced, investors, developers and agents also have false and unrealistic expectations at times, it has to be said. Gone are the days when commercial lenders will queue up to value an HMO at 10 times the gross annual rent. Naturally, we might also want to sell our lovely presented flips for the street ceiling price or even more. However, if a bank is lending against that property and the buyer is a first-time buyer as well, then we have to expect that the bank-constructed valuation might well be lower than the street price or open market value that we've managed to negotiate. And that's just being prudent from the bank and the valuer's point of view, really, even if we don't like it very much. <laughs> Equally, how many of us have used a low survey valuation figure to chip away at the purchase price after agreeing a purchase price and then profit or add extra profit into our acquisitions? Yep, hands up from that one on me. I've done that too. Okay, so let's just draw a line on the stories and what the conclusions. What can we do perhaps to you know, protect ourselves? And that could be protect ourselves mentally as well as, well as in the deal itself. First of all, let's try and help the valuer, <laughs> but not, not with undue pressure, of course. We should be present when they visit the property, and we can point out any works that have been undertaken and the costs of those works, and we can even consider handing over a list of suitable comparables to assist the process. But remember, valuers are human as well, so be nice. <laughs> and there's a good article around this over at the Property Voice blog. There's a link to it in the show notes. If you just want to click on that and have a look, um, you'll, you'll see more about how to ensure they get the best uh, valuation possible. Next is to use a good broker. I mentioned Simon Allen earlier and seek their advice on which surveyors are used by which lender uh, that would best suit your particular property and project at hand. Brokers know their lenders and their patch and they have their little black book too. Next, try to choose your surveyor or valuer as carefully as your lender if possible. Remember, there does seem to be an unwritten rule to lowball valuations in particular for first-time buyers. And equally, we can profit from downvaluation sometimes as well. Let's not lose sight of that. Equally, though, there is a rise in the automated valuation model among some lenders, which when coupled with a less than robust appeals process can lead to odd results with a lack of recourse. So check the lender's approach here before, um, before approaching them. Consult with your broker on that. Next, check the valuation report carefully for conditions. Ian's initial valuation that he mentioned from his HMO story stipulated the requirement for a certificate of lawfulness, but he didn't spot it and the revaluation contained the same condition. The planning fee for a certificate of lawfulness for HMOs is halved if the conversion has not yet been carried out and the refinancing you know, delays can be avoided as well. And finally, put yourself uh, in the valuer's shoes. Would you give a high valuation when you don't have enough evidence to support the decision where a large financial institution with big legal guns could sue you and potentially close you down? No, thought not. So have realistic expectations that are supported by evidence, especially when refinancing. 
but also have a contingency plan in place. For example, flip if not refinance, look at some of the examples are quoted above, or leave more funds in the deal, which will in fact increase your cash flow and your profit. Or switch lender if you get a bad result because the appeals process, let's face it, rarely overturns the valuer's decision. I was fortunate to get a decision overturned in my favour, but I've not really seen too much of evidence of that in other cases. So yeah, put yourself in the valuer's shoes, but equally uh, take evasive or contingency action. You see, receiving a down valuation is disappointing and frustrating, and I've had my fair share of that, especially of late. However, there does seem to be something afoot, which is borne out of my discussions with brokers, solicitors, agents, and even a valuer himself. There is negative sentiment around house prices of late, with the RICS valuer house price barometer at a six-year low. And this seems to be exaggerated by the excuse of all excuses at the moment, Brexit. I mean, honestly, Brexit seems to be the go-to excuse for everything and anything at the moment. <laughs> but maybe, to flip it around, that's the cue to buy more property and rely on low-ball valuations rather than selling property or refinancing at the moment, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Personally, I've had to respond to overcome several challenges resulting from unexpected, disappointing, or just plain wrong valuations, quite frankly. But equally, that's my role as an entrepreneurial property investor and developer as well. I've had to adjust my expectations, I've built in contingencies, and then I've realized that in the land of the blind lender, the one-eyed valuer really is king. So that's the end of our Horror Stories mini-series then. Um, perhaps you'd be pleased to hear, who knows? Uh, don't forget my book. The links uh, are in the show notes. Uh, launch date is the 14th of December, one week. Uh, nice little Christmas present bonus there. So uh, just pop along and, and uh, get registered for the bonus. The benefits there would be great to see that, to have a little bit of a spike before Christmas. But I plan to share one more episode before Christmas uh, with a little update from some of my apprentices, all being well. And then I'm going to take a, a short break over the Christmas period. I think I need a bit of a recharge, actually. It's been a busy old period. But in the meantime, you know you can find the show notes over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Or if you want to talk about anything from today's show or just about property investing more generally, you know you can always email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. But once again, though, all I want to say is thank you very much for listening again this time. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.